Hi, my name is Sayeli Reyes. My name is Imani Rankins. And my name is Isa Deering. And this is Socrates. So today we're going to start off with uh, what's trending on the world news. So Imani, you can start us off. Yeah, okay. So basically, there's a Me Too movement in China. Of course, you haven't heard of it because China's communist and censorship is a really big thing over there. So the Me Too movement, it started January 1st by Lu Shishi, and in 2004, she was sexually harassed by one of her advisors in university. And the difference between our Me Too movement and their Me Too movement is basically their Me Too movement is powered by university students because major sexual assaults happen on university campuses, and it's just a pandemic over there, as it is here, but it's more centered in universities over there. I was about to have a brain fart, y'all. Okay, so basically, <clears throat> the Me Too movement, because of the censorship, it's, it's very hard to get around trying to post it. And of course, they don't have Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. They have things like WeChat and Webio that the government can regulate and like take stuff down and stuff. So, you know, the millennials and the, G the Gen Zers that are in there, they're like, okay, we gotta work around this. So they have like Me Too movements, but they have it in different languages. So basically, you know how Me Too in English is M-E-T-O-O, -O, right? Because we all know how to spell, right? <laughs> so basically, in China, they have Me Too, M-I-T-U. Like the, what is it? Like the Spanish platform that mm -hmm. you guys see all the time? Yeah. yeah like that. And M-I in China is spelled rice, and T-U is bunny. So it's like rice bunnies. So the oh, rice bunnies are fighting that's sexual clever. assault. Yeah. And also... A lot of the times when people are posting their stories about sexual assault, they get taken down. So people are putting blockchains up so it wouldn't get taken no. down. So all you have to do is Google like and ask how much um, a Bitcoin would be and then it could come up and nobody could take it down because it's a blockchain and who knows what a freaking blockchain okay. is. Yeah. So like yeah. only the Chinese would know that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's just ironic because China is based on an egalitarian society and it has egalitarian views, even though it is communist. But it's mm -hmm. super, super traditional in the ways of the patriarchy and everything like that, as you know. And it's just interesting. What do you guys think about that? Well, so I just want to know, like, how is the Chinese Communist Party trying to block the Me Too movement? Like, what are they actively doing? Well, it's little resources, legal resources for the people to file. Like, they did a study, and like 7,000 students have been sexually assaulted. Right. But only 4% of them report. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that it's very hard for, especially for mm -hmm. women, to get the resources to be able to fight this. And also, mm -hmm. when you go to social media and want to share your story, mm -hmm. if it's on things like WeChat or Webio, they're taking mm -hmm. it down. And it's, it's like okay. hard for you to get your story out, get leverage, everything like that. So, yeah. And... Is the Me Too movement in China like gaining traction? Is it actually is. It's one of the fastest growing like grassroots mm -hmm. NGOs since the TNM. I hope mm -hmm. I'm saying this right. Do not do not come for me. <laughs> but like the TNM Square when they were um, when they were fighting for democratic change mm -hmm. because you know China's been communist for yeah. a little bit over the time we've been born. Yeah. And like that went over really bad, and now it's just like they're trying to silence the women especially and it's like really women women geared like although like there are men that are a part of the program program geez a part of the actual thing movement, is yeah. movement it's not supposed to be towards the men it's for the women because they don't have much of a voice in society of course yeah, right. as we all know and 
Yeah, and it's so bad that like women that are like head runners for NGOs that are giving women these legal ser- services and stuff like that, they're going to their parents and having their parents tell them to stop because everybody knows about like Asian guilt and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Their parents will like just like tiger mom them, tiger dad mm-hmm. them into not doing anything. So you're like, we're not gonna go to you directly. We're gonna go to your parents and we're gonna yeah. break you down even more than what you've already been broken down. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah, so I'm not surprised at all because the CCP is known for like censorship. Exactly. And, like, since the Me Too, like, which like originally started in like the US and stuff like that, they're, when you search up democracy in China, it's blocked. blocked. Like, exactly. You, you <laughs> can't look up. like that. Like, you right. don't have that freedom over there. So, of course, the CCP mm. will try to block a movement like right. that. Right. We're mm. talking about the same CCP that blocked Peppa Pig because she was promoting gangster <laughs> attitude. <laughs> like, this CCP, of course, they wouldn't, like, accept women just yeah. wanting to be active in a role and trying to get as much closure as they can from their sexual assault. Yeah. And it's, it's to me, it's just ridiculous because you're thinking, like, how could people let this be? Mm-hmm. But then it's just, like people in charge the people that basically run the government they're letting whatever happen happen and it's funny because they're really conservative with like their traditional values like socially but then when it comes to like um their economy there's free economy exactly capitalistic like exactly you can do whatever there's no real like government regulation china has surpassed us exactly already with uh, their G, uh, GDP. GDP, yeah, yeah. It's always about to come up pretty darn soon, yeah. So it's like, they would care less yeah. as long as their economy is yeah. doing good. And, like, China, like, they're known to just, like, put their women down in so many ways. Like, the one-child policy, mm-hmm. and now they're like, oh, we'll pay for women yeah. to leave work for, like, from, like, 12 to 3 to go to happy hours and find a man so you can have more babies. Yeah, because there's more... Um, Chinese men now. I know, Chinese right? Women. And like, they're just like, um, they call like the single women in China like leftover women. Mm. Like, oh my, oh my gosh, like, yeah. can we have anything? And that one child like policy, it started like women would actually kill their kids like right. for that. And it's just like, why would you want that? Exactly. In the first place, it's so. just ridiculous. Do you guys remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, but when. It was, like, all over the news. Like, five women in China were arrested yes, for, yes. like, a protest. Yeah, the Feminist Five. The Feminist Five, That's what yeah. their names are. And, like, do you think that had anything to do with the Me Too movement starting mm. in China? Because there there was international support right. for yeah. these five women to get released from jail for, because right. they were intruding on a right to free speech. Because right. China essentially does not have that. Right. And do you think that influenced the Me Too mm. movement starting in China, even though it's originally an American movement? Yeah, I, I do think it does. And like honestly, the Feminist Five, they did a they did stuff a little bit before this Me Too movement, and mm-hmm. it was just probably to like show like yes, we're gonna speak out because they were speaking out on like domestic violence yeah. and everything yeah. of that nature, and. Mm. It was just, like, a way to show them, like, oh, yeah, we're speaking out yeah. and all this stuff. And then now, like, the government's looking down. It's like, hmm, we see you down there. <laughs> yeah. And then the five of them got arrested on, yeah. like, different things and, like, quarrels and everything like that. Yeah. Stupid stuff just to keep them quiet, of course. But, yeah, I feel like just them as being a precursor, it's just, like, amazing to see yeah. that, like, people got mm-hmm. inspired. And they're not afraid to just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? Even though they went to jail, 
they got released, but even right. though they went to jail, yeah. I'm gonna do this because it's what's right to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of a movement happening anyway, right. like these problems happen every, every day, day, everywhere. Yeah. Like exactly. women are abused in domestic situations, in institutions, right. by allowing like government policies mm-hmm. that surpass the rights of women. Like it happens everywhere. So Every yeah, place. and but it's genius, like how yeah, they're doing it. it. Like all these like blockchains they're calling them. Yeah, the blockchains. Like, like nobody, nobody knows, knows what that do, is. Like yeah. I don't know what a blockchain is. I just said yeah. the word. Like nobody knows how to dismantle a blockchain. Mm-hmm. The government can't dismantle the blockchain. It's hilarious to me. Yes, yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like so it's just genius. Like they're yeah. so smart and being innovative to say what they need. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Facts. That's facts. <laughs> So okay. we can move on to our next topic if we want. Sure, let's talk about Africa's largest democracy. A couple of weeks ago, we had the Nigerian national and state elections for 2019. Sure. So we're going to be talking about how the election results are going to impact the future of Nigeria and how that's going to impact the United States yeah. and the rest of the world. So the incumbent president won the national election. Um, his name is Mohamed Buhari, and he's a member of the All Progressives Congress, and he won 56% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And that sounds pretty good, good right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of his ideas, his platform basically that he ran on was to institute governmental and public programs yeah. and to build the Nigerian economy and to fight against terrorism that happens in Nigeria. So during his presidency, however, you kind of see some contradictions to his platform. He kind of led like this um, great recession like he was he was in charge of, he was overseeing a great recession that happened in 2016 and though the economy in Nigeria has since recovered there's like still unemployment there's still rampant mm-hmm. poverty and he's also not really been pushing back against um, Boko Haram which is an extremist terrorist group that was, that's the group that's responsible right. for kidnapping the 276 Nigerian oh, schoolgirls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he hasn't really, he's been trying to fight against them, but they're still rampant and they're still in Nigeria. So he's trying to promote these policies, but they're just not happening. And so we want something else. Yeah. We want an impo- opponent. And the opponent that was offered in the Nigerian election was Atiku Abu Parker. I don't know how, how to pronounce that. We're just going to call him Atiku for right Atiku. now. And he's the former vice president of Nigeria. He's kind of like Donald Trump in a way. Uh, so, Nigeria. No, thank you. Of, so his slogan is literally, let's get Nigerians working again. Um, and that um, kind of sounds pretty similar. He's also a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. And he's running on the platform of sustainability and growth uh, because they're coming out of that great recession. Right, so they're yeah. trying to appeal to poor voters. Um, he's also promising to privatize Nigerian oil industries. Yeah which make a hell of a lot of money. And that's not going to really lead to money being put back into the economy. So we're gonna see how that's gonna end up. He's also, because he lost the election, he's like questioning the legitimacy of the election, right? right? And he's saying, well, I'm gonna use the courts, I'm gonna use whatever is necessary to prove that there was election fraud. Right. he kind of has the right to question this, though. He does, he does. So, in the polls, you would see that Bahari and Atukur were supposed to win by a pretty close margin. Yeah. Like, right. it was touch and go for a really long mm-hmm. time, but in the actual election, Bahari won by 4 million votes. And that's wow. pretty large. And also, 
the elections, like on the eve of the election, the election commission basically said, okay, we're going to delay the election for about a week. week. Mm. And that caused Nigerians kind of to go into a little bit of a panic. This is saying, oh, how is this Mm-hmm. How is this fair? Right. And only 35% of Nigerians who are eligible to vote actually participated. Wow. Oh, and that's wow. the Dude. lowest of all Nigerian elections ever. So they know. They know. Like, they know. <laughs> right. So I want to get you guys' opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Like, do you mm-hmm. think that the legit, the concerns that the Nigerian people have about the elections are legitimate? I feel like they are legitimate because in a lot of countries that happens a lot of the time. But my thing is, like, going about trying to figure out, is this real or not? If he could get the votes to sway, I feel like um, he probably has a lot of pull on, like, the Judicial Committee, everything like that. So it will be kind of hard to, like, actually get a clear answer that's not influenced by him. But I don't know. But, like, I just feel like it's going to be harder to find, like, a real answer because I feel like... Because, you know, the government, they always be in cahoots with yeah. each other regardless. <laughs> like, like when some person wants something yeah. and then they're like, oh, yeah, I'll give you this, I'll give you this. And they're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll make mm-hmm. this a fact even though it's not a fact. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, how are we going to prove that what happened is not necessarily what happened yeah. anymore? Because, like, obviously, like, somebody is not playing the right side. So. Yeah, right. And, like, the people are just, like, tired of, like, that corrupt exactly mm-hmm. like um corrupt government so they're just like 35 percent people voted right. what does that say about the exactly other and it's like if the race was supposed is was supposed to be close is it a coincidence that they had a delay yeah. in the right mm-hmm. the polls by a week yeah you, a, there a, could, a, week. a lot happened could happen in a week right yeah and so we delayed this race we get our poll numbers. We work with some alum mm-hmm. officials, right? And we win the race, right? Exactly. And there's been many accusations about voter buying, which mm-hmm. basically means like buying someone's ballot and filling it out for them, which has happened in North yeah. Carolina. Yeah, just so. saying, it happens <laughs> literally everywhere. Yeah. And there's also been like different accusations about him like having officials at the polls, yeah. keeping people from voting for the opposition because he's the incumbent president, mm-hmm. right? Like he has that power, power to put officials there. So there's a lot going on, a lot to debunk. So do you guys think, like, this election will be significant for the future of Nigeria? Yeah, of it course. Will, most like, definitely. If one politician can do it, what does that mean another politician, politician can exactly. do it? And, like, I saw an interview about a Nigerian woman going to the polls, and it was just, like, she was just talking about the problems, the logistics of the voting, like, a lot of the card readers, because I guess they swipe a card or, like, have card readers to register them. And a lot of them weren't even working. So that's already mm, taking yeah, yeah. a large percentage of the voters already. Or they're saying, oh, they're not working, but really, we're doing it for you. Yeah. So yeah. they could just be manipulating the voters and just saying they're yeah. not working because they, they just don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And on Twitter, I saw, like, a lot of, like, it, Nigeria was actually trending on, like, the day of, like, elections and everything mm-hmm. like that because when the people were going to vote, like, it was a lot of violence that was happening, too. So people yeah. couldn't even get out their houses to get to yeah. the polls. It's just a mess. And it makes me sad because... They you, want change. Exactly. Yeah. People want change. But then it's just going to end up, like, the um the people are going to outweigh the ones that are out in power. Mm-hmm. So eventually people are either going to uprise and then somebody that's in power is going to get with them so that it can be in power, of course, and make it a little bit fairer in a sense. But, yeah, right now I'm just hoping and praying that, you know. Yeah. 
better days will be coming. Better days. <laughs> really? Let's just say that. Better days. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of better days, days. Naomi. Yes. Speaking of like elections and stuff like that, we finally have the most racially diverse and ethnically diverse female representative. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the Jesus. House. <laughs> Democrats run the House of Representatives right now. It was 67 Democrats that were newly elected and 44 Republicans to name some incredible people that um, got elected. Alexandra Ocasio-Ortez, yes. the youngest, the, <laughs> the youngest representative ever elected. She's only 29 years mm, old, period. and she's just known. If you guys see her on Twitter, she is just known to call out Donald Trump and be yes. like, "Sir, you're racist." You supported neo-Nazis. Exactly. You hate Muslims, period. Period, and that's, that's it. That's someone who we need right now. Exactly, yeah. real. She's unapologetically um, just her, and it's just right. like, I'm going to wear my red, bold lipstick. I'm going to wear my hoops. I'm still I'm <laughs> yeah. still that girl. Exactly. Like, I'm going to call out Donald Trump when he's not being a president. Like, he's right. a baby. Like, literally, yeah. though. And another one is... Ilhan um, um, Omar, and we seen like the controversy with right. her. Like, she's been accused of saying like anti-Semitic comments, right. but in reality, what she really said. I'll read you guys uh, her statement. She just said Israel has hypnotized the world. May um, Allah wake the people and help them to see the evil doings of Israel. She was just criticizing the terror that Israel brings to Palestinians right. and how they're being suppressed all the time. Right. And so her just commenting on that government, right. she's automatically thought as anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. What does that say? She's a black Muslim a woman. woman. Exactly. And she's being attacked by several people in the house right. saying that she's anti-Semitic, she hates Jews, that she does this, but... A large percentage of them yeah. support right. Israel, yeah. so of course it, they're gonna call her. Exactly, like obviously it's just political moves because they wanted mm-hmm. to move the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to um, yeah. Jer- exactly. um, right. Jerusalem, and it's just like that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly. But you know, y'all gonna do it anyway, and of course you're gonna label her as anti-Semitic. When truth be told, you know, behind closed doors, people do things, and once they come mm-hmm. out, they right. come out, and they're gonna be really looking stuck. And like a lot of people like started to support her like bernie sanders kamala harris they both spoke out and be like right. no like she's not anti-semitic exactly we recognize that anti-semitism is bad but that's not what she's trying to do she's just trying to criticize this government exactly that's just being terrible to its people and exactly. palestinians so it's, yeah like what i don't understand is if republicans should have the ability to criticize liberals or like mm-hmm, any other mm-hmm. government that's socialist. Why can't we criticize exactly. governments that are more um, right and conservative exactly. and do yeah. the same things that Republicans do? But then, of course, they want to do a big old hurrah thing, mm-hmm. trying to make it seem like she's just the evil person exactly. and all this stuff, which is completely bogus. And she's like even getting death threats. Like on the Senate oh floor, God. she's being called terrorist. On the Senate, Senate floor. floor. Why would she work? <laughs> This is ridiculous. Why would she work? I don't know. For the government and be a terrorist. Trust me, if she was a terrorist, she would have done something by now. Mm -hmm. Like, like, trust me. (laughs) Literally. And, like, just... She she is such a calm person. Like, if you see her interview, she's just so sweet. And, like, she escaped the Civil War in Somalia. And she's just so amazing to me. Like, other um, representatives that got elected, Ayanna Presley... 
a young black woman, Lauren Underwood. She's an AK member. Um, she's only 32 years old. And she's a nurse. Um, Deborah Highland and Sherry Sherrice Davids, they're both the first uh, Native American women that got elected oh, yeah. as well. Wow. And that's definitely like a population yeah. that you never yeah, hear exactly. about. It's because they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Right, like 50, it's been 50 years since Native Americans like got um, United States um, citizenship, right? Mm-hmm. I believe, which is ridiculous in all shapes, forms, and sizes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's just like we start to see this visibility Right. of diversity and it's just like it's it's opening my heart it's like exactly you know, we could be there too exactly because then it makes you think it's like before this who was in there white men and mm-hmm. white women when right. america is not white white men and white women it's black it's latino it's every single it's thing everything. in between but like it's not just white men and white women and when you don't have somebody there that looks like you and goes through the same mm-hmm. things as you people aren't going to fight as hard for you as you would somebody exactly. like you so this is so important. Exactly. It's just it's amazing to see because the way this the way these four years was looking, we was all like, um, we don't know what's gonna happen. Government shut down, but then all of this stuff just happened, and like we're getting more exposure. We're yeah. being heard. Like we have representation, and it's amazing. Yeah, and it's like even in like co- more conservative like states like Texas. Texas elected their first Latina representative, Veronica right. Escobar. Like. Yes. Texas is known for more <laughs> red. Yeah, and so red. it's just you start to see that opening up, like right. that we can do this if we really push enough. Right. Just imagine the next four years, years two oh, years. Y'all, yeah. we about to be full. Exactly. I don't understand. And it's just like I could see that as a career path now because right. I know we could do, do it. Do it exactly. And we'll be shamed for it. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Moving on. Oh, God. <laughs> you gonna talk about this now? We gonna talk about Jordan Woods. <laughs> oh. Homegirl. Jordan Woods. So we all know that the controversy between her and Tristan Thompson. Thompson yeah. But can I just go on the record to say I stand Jordan Woods forever <laughs> and always. I do not care about those Kardashians anymore. Like, when I tell y'all, I used to be, like, such a diehard, like, Kardashian person because I'm, like... I, I like I love yeah, to see people too. like okay. live with the money and stuff. I'm like, dang, like they out here, they and fresh. like you watch them when you're growing up. Like exactly. that's that's what we saw. Exactly, but then you just realize how much they stole from black culture mm-hmm. and made so much money off of it, and then they have these black husbands get their black baby and then just move mm-hmm. on. Like I've seen so many videos. Like um, Khloe like, Kardashian, she said, "Your lover." on freaking keeping up with the Kardashians. And no, like, everybody sidebar that, like, side past that, like, oh, yeah, that's whatever. And then there was one scene in Keeping Up with the Kardashians where, um, who, what's her name? Kim Kardashian, she was, like, she was holding a stroller. She said, I had to take this picture for Kanye and stuff. And (laughs) Scott was like, no, your baby's going to be black, right? She's like, my baby's going to be a color. She's like, he's like, you know your baby's going to be black. And she's like, my baby's going to be a shade of a color. I'm like, girl, just deal with it. Like, And that was when she was pregnant with North, I believe. Mm. And it's just like, why? <laughs> it's so hard to, like, speak about it because 
I, I used to like love these people yeah. so much but then it's like you realize how much they took from your own culture and they're getting money like Kylie Jenner's a billionaire based off of Kylie her Jenner having steals from black, lower, like, yeah, black women and lower businesses and like um, innovation and everything like that and like we don't talk about that mm-hmm. and now like people like they're getting exposed for all the stuff that they've done and all the people that they've done wrong and everything like that but yeah, Khloe Kardashian saying that um, Jordan Woods ruined her family. That is a lie. He I cheated mean, when she was pregnant. pregnant. So why? why? The house was already broken. Exactly. She just needed to walk through the door. Exactly. A fool cannot get fooled again. You just want to be stupid. Exactly. And like, if you I'm, saw like the red the red table um, right. interview oh, with Jada Smith, yeah, like obviously, like I was just like I was not here for Khloe Kardashian at all. Like mm-hmm. it, it makes no sense to me why she would even be with him after he cheated on you while you was pregnant. He right. might love you, but he doesn't respect you. And even though you want to keep um, your baby's father in your life, that does not mean that you have to start parade around and pretend to be in love with him and all this exactly. other stuff. And then want to be fake upset when Jordan Woods comes and bees at, bees <laughs> be at his house and all this other. stuff. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, no. Like, obviously, like, let's, like, in she the just, first place, why is he having these parties? parties? You're not even invited. Exactly. Exactly. Why do these young girls know where Tristan's house is? Exactly. Like, why is this even Why are you happening? inviting all these girls over? You have a kid. Exactly. And I feel like it wouldn't be like, it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. Like, say if Scott was having a party, Chloe would have rolled up Chloe's legs is on Scott. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's brother and sister. Our Jordan Woods obviously does not want Tristan Thompson. Exactly. She does not she want to have had him a long time exactly. ago. Exactly. She does not want that situation. Exactly. Obviously. And, like, it's just, to me, it's just, like, ridiculous at this point. Mm-hmm. And I just love, and, like, I was, like, watching a lot of videos and, like, people were saying, like, usually when the Kardashians, like, they have scandals, they usually mm-hmm. don't, they're not as vocal as they are. But, randomly they want to comment on jason lee from hollywood unlocked one of his posts and jason lee is not a reputable source at all if you've seen anything that he's done he's not beyonce ran away from him if beyonce <laughs> ran away from you i do not I trust mean. you so basically why are they like why were they going so hard and malika and larsa pippen be quiet there's no reason for you to talk like there's no reason you should have just sat there and yeah. ate your food because you don't want nobody to come for yeah. you it's ridiculous I mean, all of her relationships, I'm her as in Khloe Kardashian, have been absolutely traumatic. Traumatic. Yeah. Like, she's had eight boyfriends over the past ten years. They've all pretty much either cheated on her or left her. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's facts. Uh, I'm and not going to say what Lamar I don't think said. Kylie <laughs> should have even, like, kicked her out over that. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of stupid. Like, y'all are business partners, and you need exactly. to keep up a certain face. Yeah. And honestly, business partners are closer than family members. Exactly. Oh, like, low-key. And, like, I don't even know why Jordan Woods didn't even spill the tea on all of them. Like, Jordan Woods kept Kylie's pregnancy a secret for nine months. Like, nobody really knew what yeah. was going on with that. Like, I just don't understand. Like, if I was her, I would have spilled all the tea, everything that they did. Like, because, like, you know, like, there's some shady stuff that be going on with the Kardashians and all of them. I would be spilling tea because if you're going to do me like that, best believe you're going down too. But anyways, next time. Um, do you guys want to move on to um, Mr. Mr. Kelly? Mr. Kelly. Ooh. So I know y'all saw this explosive interview, right? <laughs> I know. I'm telling I know you. y'all saw this. We're going to give him a Razzie because this was terrible. Laughing so hard because he just played victim the entire time. time. He was like, I'm fighting for my life, sir. You're not, not fighting, fighting for, for anything. anything. You took those girls' lives away. Shut yeah, up. Exactly. Yeah. Like, fighting for 
come on, dude. Like, you could have just sat there and ate your food, but no, you want to go to the kitty's table at Thanksgiving and steal them. So, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not lying. Oh, no. And he got so emotional. That's the thing. It's just like, how sick do you have to be to be like, no, like, how how stupid. Exactly. How blocked off are you to not even relate to that? It's just like, no, I didn't do this. No, Sarah, there's there's 50 people on that documentary that say you took those women. Exactly. Not women, underage girls. Exactly. Like, sir, you have no redeemable qualities. You married a 15-year-old. Sorry. After no one like commented on that. No. Exactly. Like this, this has been going on for like thirty years, like, and no Aaliyah, one has said anything. In the interviews, like you just felt that like right. like, yeah. tension. With and Aaliyah. there were so was many gross. innuendos that like um, um R Kelly said I got her pregnant and then I married her. Aaliyah she was, 15, was 15, fifteen when she got married. Me. But they forged that um marriage document. Exactly. But like also that means she was pregnant. Pregnant. And she's. F- <laughs> <laughs> Well, he needed to be in jail a long, long time, time ago. ago. I'm sorry, rot in jail. I don't care. Like, you can get your um, mental help in whatever, whatever mm-hmm. way you can. But yeah. I'm telling you, something in your conscience, when you have children at least, there should be something in your conscience telling you, this isn't right, this isn't right, this and isn't right. he has right. kids of his he own. He has kids that are in school. Imagine what those kids are going through. Like, I remember mm-hmm. when um, on VH1 they had, like, Hollywood exes, and his wife was up there. And she was, like, crying one day because she was talking about how her sons would have to go to school. And, like, her sons would have to, like, hear about, like, oh, your daddy peed on this girl. (laughs) And all this other stuff. And that is so sad. But imagine now, like, those kids probably won't even be able to step foot in school. Like, there's just, like, oh, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. And, like, for all the people that out there are trying to sympathize with R. Kelly, Mm. I don't. Save that for the win, because I do not care. (laughs) Like, that is ridiculous, right? And that woman that gave $100,000 to post his bond, that pissed me off, because why would you do that? $100,000 for that man? He's back in jail, though. Donate that to charity. Exactly. You could have fed some homeless people. (laughs) You could have bought you some clothes, bought you a car. You could have bought you a nice little 2007 Range Rover. (laughs) You you decided to give that to R. Kelly, and guess what? He back in jail. What did you gain from that? Child support. support. Literally, in in the interview, he was like, there's real girls that are being trained and and, uh, adopted, but like, you might not physically be like are chaining them up, right? But you're but manipulating you're, you're them, taking them from their bodies, and just it just emotionally oh. like wrecking them. Exactly, this is insane. Like, cause these girls in the documentary, like these girls, just all they think about is R. Kelly, and they just get into that mentality, and it's just like they can't break away from it. It's kind of disgusting. It's like really disgusting, and it's not. It's not even fair. It's just point. sad because, like, yeah. they feel like they have no one else but him. Exactly. And I feel bad. I kind of do feel bad for the parents, but, like, they should have known not to, like, yeah. bring, like, honestly, like, they should have known not to bring their child around mm-hmm. that because, for one, that's an older man. And, like, the girls, the younger girls that would had got picked up by R. Kelly mm-hmm. at, like, music videos yeah. and stuff like that, and they were, like, underage. I'm like, why are you even there in the in first, first place? place? But, like, I feel bad because, like, their parents were probably, like, coming from low-income areas yeah. or probably just from a place where they want their child to succeed See, and be or do better, in, yeah. in the business. And, like, they're like, okay, R. Kelly could help them, but then it's not, like... 
Because but it's like, why did you, you why did you give him so much power? Like, mm-hmm. if my mother was in there, my mother would be the manager. My mother would be in there every single meeting that me and our every single recording mm-hmm. session. Like, my mother would not like leave him me, alone. Exactly. No. Like, there's just no. I just don't feel like it was a place for the parents to just be like, oh yeah, she's with R. Kelly, she's fine. Fine, yeah. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, though, he was charged like eight, ten years ago right. with fourteen counts of child pornography. And that was Not literally convicted. the video of yeah. him pissing on a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. And parents still said, hey, I'm just going to drop my child off here. Yeah, and even in the documentary, like, a parent was like, yeah, like, we knew, like, that court case happened. But right. since he didn't get um, convicted with it, we just shrugged it off. But if it's proof, why, like, why shrug it off if there's proof know, for it? Like, I don't understand. That's why I'm I mean, so confused. You know, if it was just any other random black man, mm-hmm. white man, honestly, any man. Oh, my God. If, and there was just a rumor of him being a child jail. predator. Ooh. Jail there forever. Would, it wouldn't be jail. Like, the neighborhood would stay away from him. Yeah. It's just because he's R. Kelly, Kelly. and he's And this he has the neighbors, too. Like, all the yeah. man- managers, several managers, security. Exactly. Just All his happen. friends, his family members, they, they would have known. Exactly. But that's, like, how His that's entourage. Like, like right. they, they would bring the girls to him. Right. So it's just, like. Are these people responsible too? Because they're healthy. Kind of. They kind of are. They kind of are. Remember that security guard or bodyguard who went to the mall <laughs> in the documentary? Mm-hmm. And it's just ridiculous. Nope. But like that's like just a just a glimpse into like Hollywood culture and like stuff like that's mm-hmm. going down in Hollywood like almost all the time. And it's just ridic- mm. ridiculous to me because it just shows like goes to show like most of our Kelly's victims were young black women, women of color, and it's sad because obviously. Yet again, people do not care about young black women, and it kind of pisses me off because it's like, we're people too. Like, oh, we're people yeah. too. Like, why don't like, you see that? Like, if that was like white little girls, oh, there girl. would be a FBI, CIA, Interpol oh agents God. everywhere. They would literally shoot his house down to yeah. the ground. Like, they would have gotten a Tommy bomb, blew it up. Atlanta would literally. be gone. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, like, I just there don't understand. There would be snipers at his house ready to kill him. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, no it's just, like, it's sad at this point. It's really sad that we just, like, not we, because, like, we were, like, five, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the society has let this yeah. become out of control and let him, like, just spiral out of control. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't matter that he wrote I Believe I Can Fly or everything else or Bump and Grind. Like, trust and believe. If like, And when people say, like, stop listening to the music, we're saying that because when you give him streams... You give, give him, him money. money. And if you keep on giving him money, he can continue to do this exactly. stuff. So that's why we're saying don't listen to his songs. When he gets airplay, mm-hmm. you're giving mm-hmm. him money directly right. yeah. to pay for all of this stupid stuff that he's doing when you need to stop it. That's mm-hmm. why we're trying to mute R. Kelly. It's just not let's separate the artist I, from the I hate situation. that. That's like one of the no, most No, because you things. are enabling him at this point. Exactly. I mean, since the documentary has come out, his streams have gone up 16%. Like, that's absolutely... Yeah, because that's people, disgusting. Like, people, people were talking about, like, there's innuendos in the songs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so people are going back to listen to the songs. And be like, he's talking about a younger... Exactly, yeah, but, like, y'all have to stop because y'all are feeding into this at this point to where he can get some money and do all this stuff, but also pay your child support, sir. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't be in jail if you paid your child support and if you were fighting for your life. I hope he goes to jail. I'm sorry, but I mean, do you think he's jail. really going to go to jail, though? Like, If he don't have the money, he'll go to jail. Yeah. I mean, if he, he was acquitted last get, time. If he can get at least one year, two years. I mean, he, oh. right now he's being, he was indicted for 10 counts Let the of sexual abuse him <laughs> involving minors. Yeah. 
So there needs to be some sort of sentence, mm-hmm. and there's really no reason for like be, any community because like to, de- double jeopardy, he can't be. Um, I mean, it's not double again. jeopardy though if, if you did this since the piss tape came out. <laughs> <laughs> there's <laughs> another situation. Jeopardy. Like yeah, I just it's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous, and it's sad. It's sad. Like oh, it's just so sad. And some of these issues, ooh, we have to save it for another day. But some of these issues are like heavy in the black community, and we need to talk about yeah. them. Because like, just like sexualizing young girls. girls. Yeah, exactly. Like I even remember, like growing up, my mom would be like, "Oh, like why are you wearing that? You're you're so young. Why are you showing your legs? Like stuff like that." Yeah. It just like starts to train you. Like exactly. You're a sexual object. Yeah. At such like, a young time. Exactly. So many issues. You guys want to get into our Socratic seminar? Sure. So. I guess every podcast we're gonna have a little hot topic, something yeah. that we really are passionate about, just yeah. to talk about it and just it's called the Socratic Seminar. Yep. Alright. So our topic today is called Equity versus Equality. Ooh, hot topic. Hot topic, hot topic, hot topic. So what is equity and what is equality? So we can get the difference out. So equity would be like saying Naily didn't have breakfast this morning, so for lunch, let's give her four slices of pizza. And Amani did have breakfast this morning, so let's only give her two. And Equality would say, okay, one person didn't have breakfast and one person did, we but they both get two slices of pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I always think about, like, another analogy, like the um, tall person versus short person. Yeah. Like, the tall person, like, getting the same um, stool right. as the short person. The short person's always going to be... Lower right. than the tall person. Right. Exactly. So they can't see over the fence, fence. or anything so like that. So the short person needs needs it. Needs a taller <laughs> stool right. to oversee the fence. So it's right. just like so. Like basically, equality is just based on essentially freedom, and equity is based on like available resources for the people that need them. Yeah. For the people that need them. <laughs> yeah. And um, and like so, how does that relate to school? Ooh, that's a <laughs> let's talk about DPS. <laughs> well, basically, if you guys haven't heard, there's an interesting statistic, just a little tidbit of information. There is like a $23 billion difference in funding from white majority white schools and majority um, students of color and districts and everything like that. And that goes into like a lot of stuff because like when you get that funding that goes into the buildings, mm-hmm. that goes into your instructional equipment and everything like that. And those are like key factors for your for the achievement gap. Yeah. And if you don't get stuff that's equitable, how is that going to benefit the children that exactly. are already at a disadvantage just because of their color? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And so it's just like, because we know that schools are funded by tax. Yeah. And like property tax. So, of course, if a school's in a poor neighborhood, they're not going to get the same funding as, you know, these gated communities. Right. Mm-hmm. These affluent communities with white kids, of course, they're going to have the new laptops, they're going right. to have the new textbooks, right. they're going to have adequate materials. But right. then when you go to these lower income, majority um, minority schools, Mm-hmm. You're not going to ha- see the same picture. Right. right. And I think that has a lot to do with the rise of charter schools oh, and yeah. private schools. And especially when we're talking about school choice, shout out to Betsy DeVos, our wonderful <laughs> secretary <laughs> of education, <laughs> that girl. who decides that it's okay 
if you're poor, because right. we're going to offer you a school voucher, which will take taxpayer dollars and put it towards the school of your choice. So that means private schools, you need an extra $8,000, here's an of extra $8,000 that we can take from this student being in a public school to a private school or a charter school, if you will. I mean, there's a bunch of different factors that come into play, not right. just race, not just socioeconomic status, but when it comes to choosing the type of school that mm -hmm. you want to go to, you kind of have that equity versus yeah. equality argument there as well. Right. But, like, why don't we just make our public schools better? better. <laughs> like, I mean, we would, but there's just there's no funding. Yeah. I mean, literally, charter schools, they're owned privately, privately. but they are funded by taxpayer mm -hmm. dollars. And public schools have to meet certain requirements. They have to provide transportation. Yeah. They have to provide meals. They have to meet um, no child left behind. Right, right. And, and those are expensive policies. Right, yeah. charter schools have no requirement to do any of that mm -hmm. and can pocket some of the taxpayer dollars that are going into that school mm. privately because they're owned by corporations, they're owned mm -hmm. by parents, mm -hmm. they're owned by whomever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just want to say, so if you guys, like, we all know, like, the the little infographic or the little picture of equity versus equality, where, like, Nylee was explaining, like, there's p three people different heights, and they all get one box, and then they're trying to look over a fence. The taller person can see, the mid-sized person can see, but the smaller person can't see. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's equality. And then equity is the same situation, but still the taller person that could see without the box, they don't get a box. And then the mid-sized person, they get a box. And then the shorter person gets two boxes so that they can see. And I was reading an article and it was saying that it's not just the boxes that um, uplift and help people out. We also have to look at what's around them and like the opportunities that are around them and the socioeconomic status, their race, their culture, everything like that. Because obviously the smaller person they're obviously in a lower position in the ground so that they can't see. That's probably the main reason why they really can't mm -hmm. see. So then you give them a box. But then there's a mid-sized person, and they're a little bit lower in the ground. So they might get a box, but they might not be able to see. But then the person that's taller, they are, they're, like, on, like, level ground, and they can see, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's just not, like, it's not just the boxes that mm -hmm. matter, but where you're placed mm -hmm. that yeah. matters as well. Yeah, you're basically like talking about outcomes, like how yeah. Professor Lappinson mm -hmm. was saying. I, I mean, looking at leveling the playing field, you also right. can't just look at the resources that you're providing, yeah. but what outcomes do you see? Like, how do you right. apply but, those resources? Right. Yeah. And do you see African-American and Latinx students reaching these mm -hmm. achievement gaps, right. like closing these gaps? Do you see them excelling? Do you see them going yeah. to college? Right. Like, yeah. is it really working? And, like, you can give a kid new textbooks, new anything, but right. to have that will and have that just support right. to know yeah. you're going to do it right. is something different, something that money can't buy. You're going to have to that's instill so true. You have to instill that within the kid. You can't just be like, okay, new textbook, go right. ahead. Yeah. It's, you're gonna, I mean, it's something else that yes, we need to provide. I, I mean, how do you instill that, though? I mean, looking at, let's say we're looking at Durham Public Schools, mm -hmm. the majority of teachers in Durham Public Schools are white. white. So if you see that as a person of color, mm -hmm. you see, okay, these people know what they're talking about, yeah. but they don't really look like me. Mm -hmm. right. So how can you, like, apply that to work? Mm -hmm. how, how do you apply that to these outcomes, you know? Right. Um, I feel like we should always start the conversation off with, Basically, you have to pay teachers what they deserve and not just mm -hmm. like this bare minimum. 
because it's terrible what pe- what teachers in North Carolina get paid. Like yeah. my grandmothers, they were educators, school counselors. They get paid like dirt, and it's ridiculous <laughs> because like my grandmothers worked very hard, and like one of my grandmothers, she was a pre-K teacher, and she like literally instilled in young black children in my home county where it's like we are the second to last county like we're the second to last poorest county like we are broke like dead broke and like our property tax is like 798 dollars and like we have like literally no funding like our high school it got to the point where it was so bad that it was mold on the walls and then Mm -hmm. federal had to give us money to build another high school because it was just uninhabitable at that Mm -hmm. point and i just feel like sometimes you have to pay these teachers what they're worth Obviously, like, people are going to go where the money is. People are going to put their heart where the money is because that's just human nature at this point. But giving them what they deserve will make teachers feel a lot better because a lot of teachers, they love what they're doing, but they can't feed themselves. They can't pay their bills. They have to go, they have to conserve some of their energy to go work a second job. So it's like they can't put their all into just working as a teacher. They have to go do this, that, and the third to make things happen for themselves as well as try to be there for their students. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also just a thing of, like, people just getting into teaching just to get their student loans paid off and a lot of stuff and like people so a lot of people are in here for like the wrong reasons which is sad because they're like oh yeah teaching why don't I just do it like I don't want to create a connection with them I just want to teach and see how it goes when when you're a teacher especially in um, elementary school and middle school especially creating a bond with a teacher is so so important Important. and people don't even like realize it you know So, like, even, like, even locally, like, I'm not going to say the school's name, but I'm mm-hmm. just going to read some numbers out. Uh, the academic, like, proficiency for black males is only 58.1%. And then compared to, like, white males, it's 97%. Wow. Mm. So, wow. when we see this gap, it's like, it's locally and, like, right. what, what are we doing wrong? Right, and these schools are majority, majority African-American for, because yeah. Durham is majority African-American. And it's just, like, I think there's also, like, a social component to it because, like, right. when you yeah. see kids of your color and, like, you can relate to them, you right. know you're not in this battle alone. Right, right. When you can relate to them and be in classes together right. and just have that connection, it's something else. It right. really makes you feel at home and it makes school a better uh, experience for you. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of it also has to do with tracking at a yeah. very young age right. mm-hmm. where teachers who are white put persons of color, color. not in mm-hmm. AIG programs yeah. exactly. and advanced classes. So they're going to be behind regardless. Exactly. Right. And you were probably one of the only few Af- african-american and latinx students that were put in those programs yeah. right. so we were the right. lucky one and i was like only put ones. in that program really because my second grade teacher who i took the test with she was mm-hmm. a black teacher and she was like so adamant on like getting black children in aig mm-hmm. yeah and i thank her for that for seeing the potential in me yeah. because if you didn't have that i probably wouldn't even be here at this school yeah. right. which is just crazy to think about and put into perspective mm-hmm. and it's just like I know, like, other kids at other um, schools in Durham, um, being students of color, they're the only kid in their AP classes. There's one or two people in their APs, maybe four or five in their honors classes. So it's just like... Don't get me started on that AP stuff. (laughs) You see that disparity, and it's just like, you feel like the only one in those classes. Exactly. And, like, thank God, like, we haven't... 
had that like mm-hmm. like burden on us because I feel so grateful to be with other people that I can relate to. Right. right? But knowing at like predominantly white institutions, it's just yeah. like you're gonna have that standard on you. Right. You're gonna be like, well, you're the only black kid. Right. And we can we can even go on like talking about like uh the districts in just a triangle area alone like Wake County mm-hmm. they're like major- like they're a majority white district yeah. oh my gosh mm-hmm. they get so much freaking funding it's ridiculous have you seen their schools their schools yeah. and like um I was talking to like some of my friends I work with um and they were talking about APs and stuff and they like basically every single one of them takes APs like they have a mm-hmm. chance to take APs but here in Durham like taking APs, it's almost like a freaking maze trying to get to take an a- AP, right. and then also when you have to take the test, you have to pay for it. But in Wake County, you don't have to pay for it. Like it's all paid for, the funding pays for it, and it's just stuff like that. It just stands out mm-hmm. to me because exactly. it's like they're like, yeah, why don't you guys take APs? I'm like, cause I can't afford that test. Exactly. Like, why would I even just put myself in the position where I know I wouldn't even be able to afford the test? Exactly. And then that's just like another thing where it's like. Colleges, they look at those AP scores and they're like, oh, oh they wow, take it right. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, why aren't they taking APs? Like, they're doing well in school. Why aren't they taking APs? Might put you lower. They mm-hmm, might put you yeah. on the waiting list and things like that. And then that just closes the achievement, exactly. ba- right. a- achievement gap. Right. And it's just like, just like you were saying, targeting low-income students. Because right. you don't want to ask your parent, or can I have $60, $90 to take this test that I might not even get a good grade on? Like, exactly. am I good, not not good uh good score on it and it's just like you don't want to have that pressure on them and so you would rather take honors or do enrollment because exactly you just can't afford it and it's it's sad because really you want to do you want to do the best exactly i mean and durham is working to close the achievement gap mm-hmm. using yeah. smaller programs within yeah. majority minority high schools like hillside <laughs> like um IB program mm-hmm. yes. and Hillside New Tech, Tech. Yes. which awesome. is primarily made up of African American and Latinx mm-hmm. students for the purpose of closing that gap. Yeah. Also, I believe Riverside STEM program is also supposed to target, supposed to target, it's supposed yeah. to. Supposed the kids in <laughs> that engineering um, program, trust me, I know a lot of people and they're not trust students, of, students of color <laughs> like. And, like, one of my best friends, mm-hmm. she just talks about, like, these kids in, like, the engineering um, school and engineering program. Right. They're just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we take AP this. We take... And they get priority. Right. And, and they're top of their class. They get better um, assistance. They have their own college advisors. Exactly. So it's just, like, how can the engineering mm-hmm. kids get uh, college advisors and the low-income, first-generation students... Right. Don't even yeah. know. They don't even have information. Right. right. And you can you can even see, like, the funding disparities within mm-hmm. DPS, like, compared to, like, South Durham. And, like, there's parts of South Durham that are a little bit lower income. And then versus DSA, like, um, Southern High School, like, the, <laughs> like they're a little, they need a lot of updating. Yeah. Let's yeah. just say and, like, that. like, they even did, like, the reform, like, before it was just Southern. Exactly. Yeah, now, now it's the School of Sustainability. sustainability. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yeah, they, they still need a lot of work. And, like, DSA, they getting every, like, they're exactly. the top yeah. of everybody's list. Even mm-hmm. though they got <laughs> And so let's talk about DSA and ISS and let's SROs. Talk and let's talk about, about how equitable resources are being provided for SROs in majority minority schools. Yes. How the SRO presence is impacting yeah. minorities and right. low income students. And let's talk about how that's a link to the school to prison pipeline. pipeline. <laughs> Ooh, that's a that's a good that would be mm-hmm. good. 
Jeez. Just like as I attended DSA like in middle school, there is an obvious divide. Right. An obvious divide racially. You could tell that the white kids were on one end, black kids were on another end, Hispanics on another <laughs> end, every other person on another side. And it's just like even like socially you're gonna if you divide yourself there's obviously gonna be tensions even within yeah. the teachers that's crazy be tensions. that's crazy i really thought I that mean, was like hollywood art <laughs> like, <laughs> they fooled me yeah but when teachers target mm-hmm. low-income mm-hmm. students of color and then send them to iss send them to out of school suspension and like that mother's going letter them, she yeah. was just like they're not even getting their work they're not getting iss completely degenerate mm-hmm. yes. awful but when you do out of school suspension, you're going home back to that place exactly. where you're not really encouraged to succeed in the first place, exactly. and probably where some behavioral disparity has come into play in the classroom. Right. So I don't really see how one ISS at DSA out of right. school suspension or expulsion is really doing anything yeah, right. to help um, discipline. Yeah. How is that helping? I, to- I totally see the correlation from that in like prison because you know how prison is supposed to be rehabilitation right. but instead it's like complete it's utter sl- punishment. Yeah. It's like enslavement. And like when the, um, the mother she put into the uh, the letter it was like they were like they had to be quiet they had to be silent they had mm-hmm. to have their head down. Just basically no interaction with anybody is basically punishment and you're just sitting there standing on a wall and not rehabilitation. Let's talk about why you did this. Exactly. Let's talk about how exactly. we Exactly. Let's talk about how we could get you um, in better opportunities Mm -hmm. for your classes and everything like that. No, it's like sit there, be quiet, Mm -hmm. and play with your thumbs until eight hours later. Like, it's ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Yeah, and I was talking with the um, racial equity officer for DPS, Mm -hmm. Dr. Bullock, and he he was saying how there was going to be this new alternative program Mm -hmm. for ISS that's going to be more reconstructive and target what behaviors need to be changed. Right. But I don't see that implemented anywhere. Where, yeah. And I feel like there yeah. needs to be something happening now to prevent exactly. this from happening in the future. Because Lakeview, the alternative school, right. isn't, like, they're trying, but it's not it's, it's really causing yeah. They just send kids over there right. just to send them. Because literally, right. they have no other... Like, I right. remember in middle school, like, I, I went to... <laughs> Ooh, I went to a, I'm not going to say like it's a bad school, but it's a troubled school. Let's just say that. And a lot of students got sent to Lakeview. And when they would come back and they would just tell stories about it, they made it like literally seem like it was prison. And I'm like, this right. is ridiculous. It's supposed to be rehabilitation, helping them to get better right. and let them come back into school and be a better student. Exactly. But mm-hmm. it's just like nothing's happening. Is They're just being locked down. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's just like an easier option. Like Exactly. Yeah. Administration would rather like send a kid, put them in a classroom, tell them to be quiet than actually just talk to them. Right. Exactly. And it's ridiculous to me. And like yeah. just looking at numbers, DSAs, ISS, uh, black male population for ISS is 44.7%, and then when you look at males, it's only 10. That's insane. That There's, like, there is an obvious disparity. There's and, an obvious... And there's just nothing being done about it. Exactly. And it's so, ridiculous. like, why would you want to put these kids in a room when you can make them better, better. when you can exactly. just talk to them? Because exactly. a lot of them can be troubled. Sometimes they just need someone to talk to. Them. Exactly. It's not that deep sometimes. Right. They're not bad kids. Exactly. And people are saying, oh, well, black people act up more. Yeah. That's definitely not the case. And when you put them in environments that treat them like Mm -hmm. this, they're they're going to act like that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, 
who would put a kid in a classroom for eight hours not doing exactly. anything and expect them just to sit there and be quiet? Exactly. I, a normal adult couldn't do that. Exactly. So and it's just like, if I was a student there, if I could just get back, sent back to over and over not to do anything for eight hours, I would just keep acting up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If I don't have to do my work, if they're not going to send me anything, behind. Yeah. But then you're I'm behind, just going to go. Exactly. And then the proficiency test at the end of the year, you're behind. Exactly. When you get low test scores, and then that just plays more into this disparity. Mm-hmm. It's completely ridiculous. And I think when you're talking about um, the like the new ISS type mm-hmm. of rehabilitation mm-hmm. situation, I think there's been like a lot of pushback from that, actually, within yeah. the schools, actually. I know CC Spalding is doing a really good job oh, yeah. with yeah. their rehabilitation Spalding. program yeah. because they have a trained me- mental health professional wow. running ISS, which or, makes complete sense. Which makes yeah, which makes complete sense. We need to have mental health professionals a- in every every school. Every school. That, that needs to be an equitable resource yes. everywhere, Honestly. by far. Yes, and because teenagers are. A thing we that, they, are, that we need help. We're developing mm-hmm. every single exactly. day, yeah. and I would love someone to help manage my emotions. Exactly, exactly. it just makes sense. Our like our brain fully develops at what age? Like twenty five. Yeah. Like we're still like trying to make sense of where mm-hmm. we are, and then all these other factors that come into mm-hmm. it, and then there might be things at home. There's things mm-hmm. at school, just all coming at you at once. It's like. How am I supposed to handle all of this stuff and still be able to do my work and get everything done? So then it's just hard to focus. And to me, it's just like we need people like mental health. Like I'm telling you, better schools, better students. When you get the better students, they go to college, they go to college, they do something, make money, and they pour back Mm -hmm. into the community. That's what you need. Mm -hmm. We need to stop looking at like, oh, we got them out. You're like, oh, yeah, we got them out, but we got to make sure that they're going to come back Back. and help help the other kids so that they can get out and the cycle continues and continues. I mean, I feel like there shouldn't be anything to get out of in the first place. I think it should just be an environment Mm -hmm. that fosters growth, learning, that fosters better jobs, that fosters people going to college, higher education. Like, we need these to be priorities, and there just aren't priorities right now. Exactly, and that's ridiculous because we should be prioritizing everybody Mm -hmm. and even having like a mental health like professional that really can help like students of color because we don't talk about that exactly we don't talk about depression we don't talk about these internal issues exactly it's a stigma because we just can't like yeah there's no information there's no discussion about it and so when we can really talk about these issues and just let them out it could change someone's life yeah. Honestly, yeah. Shout out to the it? Reverend Doctor Fatima Salo. Yes, mm. yes, yes. She yeah, absolutely killed that. Yeah. Absolutely killed that. And like, it really was, just brought. Great. Yeah, that was really great. It really brought do. everything together. It was yeah. just like because everyone thinks Durham's such so progressive, but there's deeper issues yeah. that we need to address. Such issues. Yeah. Yes, and from like, charter schools to ISS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts, you guys? Um, no. no I- I like so that. So, the end of our podcast. Thanks yes. for listening. Thank you guys yeah. for listening. And we'll be back very soon. <laughs> With very some soon. more tea <laughs> from yes. Socrates. Socrates.